With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 630 Chad. Strome behind the net, trying to end that long dry spell. Shovels it out. Larson, a drive. Tip just wide. Rebound. Waiting. Camilleri. He centers, shoots, and scores. Ryan Strom is off the schneid. Set up by Camilleri. And Edmonton has its first lead today. It's three. Finally, on a number of fronts, Ryan Strom finally scores, ending a 21-game goalless drought. And finally, the Oilers win. Ending a six-game losing streak. Connor McDavid, a hat trick, his third of the season. The final, Edmonton Oilers four, Colorado Avalanche two. Thanks a lot for joining us this afternoon. It's 3.57. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. The Oilers able to fight back today as we have come to expect... They give up an early goal, 4-0-4 into the game on the second shot. They're down 1-0. They're down 2-1 going to the third. They rally and are able to pull it out. The Avalanche obviously hampered this game, playing most of the third period with just four defensemen. The Oilers took advantage of that. Edmonton's penalty killing coming through, and it all adds up to a 4-2 victory. You can get us at 780-496-0063. Well, Rob, usually when Connor McDavid gets a hat trick, I would stop there, and he and Dry- I would start there, and he and Dreisaitl were great today. But Ryan Strom finally getting on the board. We saw a chance early in the third period where he just missed. He's able to score and get the winner today. And also on that play, uh, you know, a guy who is later in his career and has challenges at times, but still knows what to do offensively, Camilleri playing the setup man. Camilleri's lost a step. It's obvious he's at the, the back end of his career, but he hasn't lost the mind for the game. He's a very smart player. He knows where he should be. He knows where other players on the ice should be. And when he's in an in-zone offense type of situation, he's smart enough to make the right plays. He didn't have to race down a puck on that one. The puck comes when he puts himself. First of all, he has a good scoring chance. Tips, it just goes wide. He hunts the puck down, and he has the patience not to throw the puck away, not to just to force something. He could have forced it on that. Lucic was in front, but he had guys coming to him. Instead, he finds the right play, and Strom jumps in. And we saw, anyone that watched the game tonight, saw the frustration that Strom showed earlier on a, a nice uh, setup by Milan Lucic. He has backdoor. He thinks he's got a wide-open net goal. It's saved. And they show him on the bench. I don't know if it was a water bottle that took a beating, but something took a beating on the floor with Strom's stick. Yet he got another opportunity, and this time he capitalized on. And you could see the relief in him after he scored that goal. So the Oilers, if they're going to go on a little bit of a run here, if they're going to start winning hockey games, it's got to be on the backs of players other than McDavid and Dreisaitl. Hopefully this will be the start of a streak for Strom, who's lying tonight 
created things with Camilleri and Lucic. So Strom's eighth of the season turns out to be the game winner. McDavid, three goals, getting him up to 26 on the season. He was obviously very good tonight, got the empty netter to seal the win. Uh, I thought some guys from Colorado had good games. Ranton and his uh, very dangerous McKinnon back in the lineup. Tyson Jost had a goal and a, and a couple of other opportunities. But I thought front to back, the full 60 minutes, Leon Dreisaitl was the best player in this game. I, I agree. He was creating right from the beginning of the hockey game. They weren't all being capitalized on but every loose puck when he was on the ice it seemed to be him that would get he'd be on the left side in the offensive zone he'd make a play the puck would end up on the right side and all of a sudden Leon be the first guy to get it again and the passes were there the guys just weren't executing as well putting the pucks in the net but he stayed with it he had a great opportunity there's one in it was whenever there's a puck in a neutral zone and you see a caller or an opposition player chasing it and McDavid's on the ice, you're thinking, okay, McDavid's going to beat him, he's going to get a breakaway. Well, tonight we saw Leon, same thing. The Colorado defenseman had a good 8- to 10-foot head start on him, and Leon, with his speed and his strength, was able to force the the victory in the race and gets a scoring chance on a breakaway. So Drysettle to me, was the best player for the Oilers tonight, and and Connor McDavid obviously benefited tonight playing with with Leon as they put those two together as the game went on. Drysettle gets two assists. We'll make him our fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. The three stars picked at the Pepsi Center. McDavid, one. Varlamov, two. And Ryan Strom, three. And Rob, you know, Yesterday, I let off the show saying, with a with a positive, even though the Oilers lost, that you had to hand it to Cam Talbot for his performance. Only allowed one goal, only gives up two tonight, stops 55 of 58 on the weekend, and looking more like the Cam Talbot of old. Well, this is what the Oilers need, and I know that Bob referenced it tonight, that when the Oilers were successful last year, it was on the play of their goaltender Talbot and the play of their superstar Connor McDavid. And, and tonight we saw that, obviously, in full force, you can only be successful in the National Hockey League if you've got a goaltender that makes saves. And tonight he did. The the Colorado Avalanche came out. They played well early in the hockey game. They get the first goal, and then they pressed. And for a long stretch, it seemed like it was in the Oilers' end a lot. And they kept trying to extend that lead, make it a two-goal lead. And we've seen so many times when the Oilers fall behind by two, they're in a lot of trouble. Uh, Tonight, Cam Tellett made a couple huge saves and kept it a one-goal lead. And, and that allowed the Oilers to find the legs and find themselves back in the hockey game. So this is what we saw from Cam Talbot last year. Hopefully this is what we see for the remainder of the year because there's question marks. The way his season has gone, you're starting to think, is this the guy that that what we're seeing this year? Is this what Cam is or is what we saw last year? Is that what Cam is? And the Oilers need to know that going forward. So hopefully he'll find his form again and be like what we saw most of last year. 4-2, the Oilers win it this afternoon, ending the six-game losing streak. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We have Logan on the line. Hi, Logan. Hi, Reed. Hello. Um, I have a comment for you guys. Um, another good game for McDavid. A good to see him strong, getting a go-ahead. Need more second and the third line, all players all year. Do you have a comment on that, Reed? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Big Dave, and we should talk about, they're, they're showing a replay online here, Rob. I don't think they had the angle during the broadcast. On his second goal, so him and Dreisaitl come in kind of a two-on-two along the wall, right? Mm-hmm. Dreisaitl drops it. McDavid cuts into the middle. Dreisaitl drives the net. They show the replay from the opposite side of the rink than the, the main TV angle is on. McDavid never looked at the net. 
he had his head up and was looking across to try to fool the Colorado defense that, yep. that he's looking to for a pass the whole time, and then he just wires it into the net. That's such a great play. Well, there, there's so many good plays that happen on that two-on-two. As, as Drysaddle, first of all, he's got McDavid with more speed, so he gets him the puck on the outside, and that's who you want the puck in his hands. And then Drysaddle continues to go forward. When he drives forward, that backs up the defenseman. It allows Connor McDavid to come behind him. And as he's coming behind him, now the defenseman, they're in a decision, okay, which one's... Which one of us stands up? Which one of us goes with with, with dry sidle? And both of them play it safe, which is meaning they stay back a little bit, which allows Connor McDavid to come across the middle. And now Connor's got options. And the one option he chose was put the puck on net with two defensemen screening the goaltender. And another nice little play on that too is when dry sidle drives through the middle, he lifts the stick of the Colorado Avalanche defenseman. He pushes it out of the way, which again, a stick on the end of an arm, that's six feet. That gives Connor McDavid six more feet to play with to get a little bit closer to the goaltender. So uh, two players coming with full speed, very smart, reading off each other, created that opportunity and created that goal. And Logan obviously brought up the depth scoring, which has been an ongoing issue for the Oilers. Uh, I mean, Camilleri does make a nice play today, but 20 games without a goal. Uh, Lucic now at 22. Letestu now at 23, who's more of a depth guy, but still that's that's mm-hmm. a long time for him. Uh, Pugliarby's at 11 games without a goal and hasn't been been playing very much recently. So that that's I mean when when you're when McDavid makes this game two two, you're sitting there thinking, okay, McDavid and, and Leon have, have been creating chances. Maybe they'll get a third one, but if they don't, can someone else get it? Strom gets it today, and that's then that's going to be a big decision for for management in the summer deciding, okay, which guys do we just think had a bad year and are going to bounce back? Which guys need to be replaced or pushed down in the lineup and, and better or more consistent goal scorers need to be acquired? Because, I mean, you look like, you know, Lucic, that open net in L.A. that, mm-hmm. that doesn't go in. If he has, you know, three or four over the last... 21 games at the right time, who knows? Maybe you swing a couple games the other way. Well, you certainly would. And if he has three or four of those chances had gone in, maybe those three or four chances that went in gave him confidence that instead of the three or four, he'd have seven or eight. When players struggle, when the puck doesn't go in, when you miss golden opportunities and you miss them uh, consistently, your confidence wanes. And then it affects other parts of your game, and we've seen that. We've seen that with with Lucic. We've seen that with Maroon. Big guys that aren't getting the production up in, up front, it's now affecting their defensive play because now you start cheating because you know that you're supposed to score goals. Okay, i got to get a goal tonight. Okay, this is a 50-50 puck. I'm going to cheat and hope that it bounces. Right. And it doesn't bounce. Now I'm on the wrong side of my guy. Now all of a sudden I'm getting a minus because they score against you. And, and most offensive players do that when, when things go bad. So uh, they over the next 25 or whatever games the Oilers have left, the management is going to be looking and say, okay, what players do we need? What, what players are part of the problem? What players are part of the solution? And there will be changes. And there may be whole, there may be huge changes. There may be changes in management, coaching, players. But there will be changes because right now the Oilers are eight points out of being dead last in the National Hockey League. That's unacceptable 
for what they have in this roster. So changes are going to happen. So over the next 25 games, certain players are going to have an opportunity to prove that they're part of the solution. The Oilers do win it 4-2 today. Needed another empty netter to get to the Japanese Village goal light. We turn that on on the Oilers page on 630shed.com whenever they score five or more in a game. When that happens, you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. 780-496-0063 is the call-in number. We'll bring Kelvin onto the show. Hi, Kelvin. Hello, how are you guys today? Good. Good, good. Just uh, want to touch base. Uh, I'm not, I, I never watched the game today, but I listened to it. After the first period, they gave up the first goal. I'm thinking automatically, here we go again. But then second and third period come along. I find, I found that they got their skates back underneath them. They started playing like a team again. You know, yeah, most, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the first 10 minutes of the second period, Rob, were pretty heavy Colorado, yeah. but, you know, Talbot did, did what he had to do there. No, well, he, yeah. yeah, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, sorry, uh, sorry. I was just going to say Talbot got, you know, he he got helped out by a couple goalposts tonight, today, of course. But other than that, I, I, I don't want to give up on Talbot. Talbot, I think, is the goal, Oilers goalie for the next couple of years, I hope. Well, I, I know the Oilers hope that too. I mean, he—they don't really have a another option for for as a number one goal here. So they they feel that he's capable of doing it, but he's got also got to prove it to his to his own management, to his own teammates over the next little while. It is—it's been an off year. It's been an off year for Cam Talbot, but he can turn it into uh, maybe just an average year with a good end to it. The Oilers' road penalty killing continues to be good. Eight for nine on the road trip, including three for three today. And probably, Rob, uh, it depends what team you're covering or cheering for when you talk about what happened when the Avalanche were on the power play, depending on whether it was a good good penalty killing by the Oilers or a bad power play by the Avalanche. Well, I, I think they took a page out of the Oilers' power play as they just they passed the puck around the outside. And, and they've got skilled players that can put the puck on net, and they didn't. And I said to you, we're like, eventually they're going to make one bad pass and they're not going to get a shot on it. And sure enough, they go to make a play. The pass was a little off. It gets iced down. So uh, give credit to the Oilers. They didn't allow the cross-seam pass. They forced a little bit better. They got a new thing where they're forcing. If a guy starts going down the boards, they're forcing him all the way to the corner, not letting him go back up. Uh, and I think that played havoc a little bit with the power play. But... Bottom line, the Oilers' penalty killing, which is the best in the National Hockey League on the road, came up big again tonight and didn't allow that tying goal late in the third period when Colorado had their chance. Yeah, Benning got a penalty at 14.05, and obviously, like Calvin said, when that first goal goes in, you, you think, here we go again, and that's sort of been the theme for a lot of things for the Oilers this season. Oh, they're shorthanded. Oh, they, well, even today, they scored a goal, gave up one a minute 10 later, and when Benning went off, I had that all, oh, no, are they going to tie it? Because, I mean, Benning did trip the guy. Mm. They, they were tangled up. It wasn't a play where Benning was beat or did something silly. It was one of those penalties where it's like, it's got to be called, but he didn't uh, do anything out of bad positioning or negligence. So you kinda, I was kind of thinking, oh, no, is this the one they're going to tie it on? But they were able to survive it. They were. And it was, uh, again, not an important game standings-wise. I mean, as I said, I think, you know, we're joking off air. You know, they're only 17 out of a playoff spot now. But an important game just for their psyche. You know, they, they've got a tough little stretch coming up again. They play Boston. They play Colorado, who, who they've 
obviously lost to earlier this year. They go on the road again, play the three Californian teams. There's some tough games coming up, and you didn't want to drop seven straight and then go into that tough straight stretch. So now they got a little bit of confidence. They got a player, Strom, who has been snake bit. Maybe he's got a little more confidence going into the game against Boston. They're they're a little healthier now. They got Larson back in the lineup, uh, and their goaltending, which has been well below average throughout the year has been good the last two games. Hopefully that's the kickstart that Talbot needs to finish strong. All right, Strom, finally off the schneid, to borrow a phrase from Jack Michaels. Let's go back to the Pepsi Centre. Here's Strom. It's been nearly two weeks since you were in the win column. What's this one feel like? Yeah, I thought we played a good game. I mean, I just said it out there, but I think, uh, you know, we get paid to come and get better, and um, obviously it's frustrating times right now, but we came with a good effort today, and thought everyone played good. We deserved to win, quite frankly. We we did a lot of good things, and not a tough... an easy game on a back-to-back in the high altitude here. It's tough to tough to breathe out there. So good game by the guys, and um, you know things are going well. But we had a good effort tonight. You needed something to happen. I mean, this is very timely for you. Yeah, I know for sure. I think especially missing the one right before, obviously very frustrating. So um, you know, it's not for the lack of chances, lack of effort, or lack of caring. That's the frustrating part. I mean, you come to the rink every day and you try to get better and try to do the right things, and when things aren't going in, it's kind of frustrating. So nice to get that one. And, um, you know, more importantly, I think get back with the win column, brings the morale up, and kind of get on a little roll here. And um, it's a lot more fun coming to the rink with wins, that's for sure. Just for their, like, like you just said, like one win can make such a difference in a dressing room after. Yeah, you know what? It, tonight, though, I think it was more effort. I think we, we played the right way. We played hard. Um, you know, we deserved to win, obviously. It's nice to get the outcome, that's for sure, but we got to be proud of the effort and um, the details in our game, and that's the most important thing. All right, so Strom scoring is our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. The Oilers take it 4-2. McDavid gets a hat trick, his third of the season, his second in the last eight games. Remember, he had four goals against Tampa, then the Oilers lost six straight, and he gets another hat-trick today against Colorado. Nice little run he has going, considering the Oilers are one in six in their last seven games, and it's not on the back of either Dreisler or McDavid as they've been consistent through this stretch. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We have Brian on the line. Hello, Brian. Hey, guys. First-time caller. Thanks for having me. Um, I just want to point out um, when um, you guys mentioned about some of the non- prospect players coming down the stretch at what point do some of the head office staff be held accountable for that and to ensure that it doesn't happen moving forward because we talk about when players aren't performing all the time um why do some of these guys still have jobs and in reference to a caller yesterday talking about the culture as far as you know talking about the 80s and stuff and yeah it's, it's great what they accomplished and obviously wayne gretzky's a face to the game leaving him aside I think we kind of got to move past that and move forward. And if not for the fans, um, more for Connor McDavid. I mean, this guy is like, uh, as much as we talk about him, I don't think we're talking about him enough. And we owe it to him moving forward as well because, you know, a generational talent like that. And people want to talk about Crosby's Cups and all that stuff. But really, I mean, without, you know, the changes they made two years ago with Mike Sullivan coming in and Jim Rutherford, of really getting him those two Stanley Cups as well. Um, I think we just owe it to the fans and the team to move on, and, and the past is the past. Um, but just, just to re-face the whole head office staff from that and players, and you can, there's a lot to look forward to when you have McDavid and Drysaddle and maybe a guy like Nurse moving forward to change this thing quicker than what, um, how we think. 
Thanks. Brian, hang on. You're going to finish the play on June 22nd, 2015. Uh, so Peter Shirelli would have been a relatively new general manager. He fired uh, Stu McGregor along with uh, other scouts, including Maury Gare, Brad Davis, Kent Hawley, and, and the now late Dave Semenko were some of the guys let go or reassigned within that organization at the time. I assume that's what you were asking about with the uh, lack of prospects coming from earlier uh, GM Th- regimes. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. I was more like kind of some of the old players still having jobs and it just seemed like there was just a lot of people on the payroll and I don't know if they're just one happy family or buddies and stuff but sometimes it's you know working with friends and and stuff like it, it'd just be nice to see people come from outside the organization with a fresh look and well I think, and uh, I think and that's I, old to the younger players and but, I think yeah. yeah and I think that's why specifically they wanted Shirelli and McClellan in from other organizations that have had success now I know Shirelli's getting beat up a lot Mm-hmm. By me sometimes, but you know I think that's why they why they went. Good question though, and yeah, there have been some scouts changes that there are guys with last names that match some uh, ex Oilers greats of the past. I can't can't argue that. Um, obviously, I Paul, Paul Coffey's around now in a I think a pretty limited capacity, but he is around. Yeah, I just see McDavid having to answer these questions in and in and out when they lose it. You know, $100 million or not, man, the guy's, like, I feel I feel so bad for him. Like, he's just, he's, he's one of those guys, he wants to be the best player to play the game, and he's capable of that, and, you know, it's, they, they just, they got to, they got to handle this situation with delicate. It's, it's, it's a guy like him, just, you got to, you got to put a team around him, and, and he can get four or five points a game, honestly. Like, as good as he was tonight, he's just, the guy's just unreal. I just, I can't say enough about him. Well, the, what they did, they brought Bob Nicholson in, and he went through the entire organization, and... He made changes because they brought in Peter Shirelli, who was from outside, and moved McTavish, and they moved low into different roles. They brought in, then they brought in Todd McClellan, a goal or a coach from outside of the organization. They got rid of a bunch of people, so now, it this there was some um, contracts and players that were from the previous general managers and previous previous management team that they had to move. Because they were two, they, they were players that were overpaid. They were just underachieving, and they moved players out because the team was having no success. Now, going forward, a lot of the stuff that's happened now is is under Peter Shirelli. Uh, a, a bunch of the trades, a bunch of the signings. This is now. This isn't an old boy guy. This is a guy that was the brought in to to be outside of the old boy network. Uh, the players that they've drafted over the last couple of years under Peter Shirelli, you can't really judge him on those because they're. I mean, some of them are still in junior. They're not in the minors. The previous management obviously didn't do a good enough job in the drafting because if you look at the minor league team right now, there's not a forward that you can call up right now. Yep. There, there's none. The best it, forwards are in junior, whether it's Yamamoto, Bob and I talked about Safin yesterday. We'll see what happens with guys like Benson. And, yeah. And, yeah, and those are guys who were drafted by Chiarelli. So these the, the previous management did not stock the cupboards very well down in the minors. Yeah. And that was a problem. That's why a lot of guys lost their jobs. So going forward, you're going to judge Peter Shirelli on what he's done. Now, you can judge him on this season and whether he's done a good enough job to make this team what it needs to be. And obviously the team is nowhere where nowhere near where they were expected to be. But as far as uh, Peter, Bob, or Bob Nicholson came in and he did clean house, so that was done. So now you got to decide: is the new guy who's outside of the old boys network is he doing a good enough job or not? Yeah, that's a good question, Brian. You ready Very to finish good. the play? Uh, sure, let's do it. Okay, here we go. Left bomb's got a broken stick. Five on four and a half here. McKinnon walks in, shoots off the post. Talbot got a bounce for the second time today. 
All right, Brian, we're looking to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park. Jet Set Parking Park, cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. Nathan McKinnon back in the Avalanche lineup. He was taken first overall in 2013. Who did the Oilers take seventh overall? Was it Brandon Davidson or Darnell Nurse? Darnell Nurse. Absolutely. Hang on the line, Brian, to get your prize, and Patrick will take down your name. Ah, That was an easy one, eh? I think he was just really, really smart. Also that. Yep. Good questions. Oilers do win 4-2 today over the Colorado Avalanche. Connor McDavid up to 26 goals. He gets a hat trick today. He had 30 last year. So he should top that. I think he can get five in the final <laughs> 24 games. Well, Not it, bad for a guy who doesn't shoot enough, eh, Ron? Yeah. <laughs> and, well, and it also depends who he plays with. If he yeah, plays sure. with Leon coming down the final so many games, you know, 40 is not out of the possibility for... For him, he's got well. He's got seven and two games in two, in, in the last eight, where he's got a four goal game and a three goal game. So possibilities are there. He is shooting the puck more, I believe, and they're finding the back of the net. So, yeah, hope. I mean, I it'd be nice for him out. Thirty-five goal season, something to work off of. And then next year, you get forty-five, then fifty-five, and just keep going on up. <laughs> well, we still don't know what his his ceiling is. Obviously, I mean, he's still a pretty young player. You know, but Rob, when you were away yesterday, obviously, and I had a, had a caller, you know, angry. Why is McClellan putting them on the same line? And and the Drysaitel's got to be a center. And I, and I believe long term, it'd be great if they could each center their own line. I know you're you're of a different mindset. You're more inclined to see them together. I think this gets back to the depth thing. If the mm-hmm. Oilers are deeper, you know, a little deeper up front. And and look, and Nuge hasn't played for twelve games, and they've only won four of those games. Too. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'd love for Leon to have his own line, but you need wingers to play with him. And then if Leon's on his own line now, you need wingers to play with, with Connor. They don't have him. Well, they, they've, they've shown. They got all these, the, the guys that are supposed to be scoring with them, for them are going 15, 18, 20-some so, some games without scoring. And these guys aren't getting five to nine minutes a night of ice time. They're playing first or second line. They're playing power play. They're playing 15 to 18 minutes a night. So eventually, as a coach, you're like, okay, this guy's been playing with McDavid. He, he hasn't scored in 16 games. i got to get him someone that can play. Because Connor's a passer. Leon Dreisaitl's a passer. And if they're passing the guys that are not putting the puck in the net, well, i got to figure out something that works. Leon and Connor play well together. Now, obviously, for this team to be successful, they run their own lines. But for this team to be successful, you need guys that can put the puck in the net. The others don't have near enough of that on the wings. So that's why... Uh, Todd keeps going back to it. And anytime the Oilers are down, what do they do? They throw them together and they find some chemistry. So, yeah, I, I, I disagree with the people that say right now they got to split them up because they don't have enough players that are quality at this point in their careers to do what needs to be done when you play with two superstars. Four goals for the Oilers today. That means a $100 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. You can track the total on the Oilers page on 630chet.com. We'll get to Mark on the open line in a couple of minutes here, but let's go back to Denver, and here is head coach Todd McClellan personal drought is it almost fitting that he gets one he helps your team snap out of one as well well it's it's great for him to to finally get the monkey off his back and and score um i thought he could add three tonight you know and that's the way it's been going for a few guys actually cammy uh uh there's a little levity on the bench and when they pulled the goalie for the second time he looked back and said hey coach there's uh bunch of us here that haven't scored in 20 games and I told him I couldn't put eight guys on the ice it'd be too many men so it's nice to have that moment um, 
you know, just to relax a little bit and enjoy the game a little bit more. That's a real thing because, you know, after six games, it tenses up a little bit and it just becomes self-perpetuating. Well, after uh, three, four, and five, it does. So uh, it doesn't get any easier as it goes on. And our task isn't, isn't any easier. Um, we know where we are in the standings. We know that we have to get better as a team. And uh, going home now to play against... Uh, uh, one of, if not the top team in the league, will be a, a tough task for us, but we're just going to relax right now and enjoy this one. They get a star player back, which is always motivating. Uh, they won 10 in a row. Uh, you're down early. Can you just discuss just sort of uh, continuing with it, working at it, and then getting sort of the just rewards at the end? Well, I, I thought we did that, and there was a point late in the second when uh, I think Jay Woodcroft and I looked at each other and said, how are we losing this game? Like, with the amount of opportunities we had, and our goaltender played outstanding. Uh, we made uh, some unreal saves, um, but our group, when it had the opportunity to uh, to back off and roll over, it didn't. It, it kept pushing. About 17 shots in the first. Was that a mandate coming into today? Well, a good start was, and lo and behold, we get scored on. I think in the first or second shot of the game again, and uh, it's amazing how it continues to happen. Um, not a lot of mistakes. The guy just picks the hole, and and it's in the net. So. Um, Maybe we've done it enough now where we uh, continue to play and press on where in the past it's it's uh, it's set us back. But um, whatever the reason, we uh, we pushed hard today. We should probably ask about your captain. He did have a hat trick. Can you just discuss him sort of uh, leading the charge and just con continuing to fight here as you progress through the rest of the season? Well, he's, he's done a tremendous job of it. And, um, you know, there's... There's uh, always things that go on, illnesses and stuff like that, and, and Connor isn't 100% right now. Like he's got some things going on, and, and to put that type of performance on the ice is a um, is a, a real strong one. I thought when that line got together again in the third period, they were bound and determined to, uh, to, to swing it our way, and they did a good job of it. All right, so head coach Todd McClellan basically telling us that Connor McDavid battling a little bit of an illness here so he uh, gets a hat trick despite that incredible quote said Mike Camilleri looked at him when it was 4-2 and Colorado pulled the goalie again and said hey coach we got a bunch of guys with long scoreless droughts and McClellan said yeah but I can't put eight guys on the ice we'll get called for too many men <laughs> that is funny and, and it's true there's the others have not had a lot of opportunities on the bench to enjoy hockey lately because they're behind, they're about to lose, uh, it's stressful situations. It, it, it's nice every once in a while to have a laugh or to have a, a, a moment where you can enjoy the, and just enjoy the moment. Because playing in the, in the National Hockey League is the coolest job in the world, except when you're losing. And the Oilers have been doing too much of that of late. And it's kind of funny when they talked about that Connor's battling some illness. I mean, when I battled illness, it looked like I was skating in cement. He gets faster out there. It's just not fair. He's battling illness, and he was the fastest guy on the ice today. But uh, the Oilers need Connor and Leon to be stars every night, and they have been for the majority of those games tonight. Cam Talbot joined them, and that's what spelled success. 4-2, the Oilers win. McDavid with a hat trick. Dreisaitl with two assists. Strom finally scores, ending a 21-game drought. Talbot makes 24 saves. He was solid in goal. So uh, McDavid up to 68 points in 58 games and dry side oh pardon me 69 points in 58 games 26 of those goals and Leon Dreisaitl up to 52 points in 54 games per game he's actually a little bit ahead of his points per game from last year who uh Dreisaitl 
Well, he's having a strong year. There was a little stretch where people were saying, well, he's not the same player. And I'm like, he, this is what he did last year. He's a point-of-player guy, and which is in the National Hockey League is, is pretty darn good. 780-496-0063. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, and we welcome Mark onto the show. Hi, Mark. Good afternoon, gents. I just wanted to call you quickly. I heard Rob well, I'm talking a little bit about PC there going forward and whatnot. I'll do the cons, and you guys can do the pros. How's that? Okay. Uh well, sure. I just can't see it any way going forward with him. Um, guys develop the past, right? And, like, I followed guys from the Boston area, blogs and stuff, Alex Thomas and whatnot. And he, he's doing the same thing all over again. Like, some people, you learn from your mistakes or whatever. He's, they, he's doing the same thing. He's got him up against the cap. He's kind of painting himself in the corner. He's already bled, I don't know, how much talent. And going back to that talent, I remember back a few years ago in 10 and 11 when we were bottom of the league and getting these first overalls, we were preached to as the fans that be patient, this is going to pay in the long run. And then he comes in and we suffered through those years of the halls and yaks and whatnot. And he just like discards them. Like he either can't evaluate talent or he doesn't value high-end talent. Rob, you can attest to this, as goal scoring is the hardest thing to do, right? I agree, and, yeah. And and I don't necessarily fault him or blame him saying he wanted to go get this defenseman and, and bled Hall, for an example, never mind the other guys. But when you see other guys like Yarzeman of St. Louis who wanted out, not Hall didn't want out, and the return he got, uh, and there was a, oh, well, what's his name, Duran to Montreal, who wanted out the return he got, what Sackett got for uh, Duchesne, and then you look and see what he, what these paltry returns he's getting on these guys that the fans have suffered through. It, you know. Well, I mean, I, I, again, I, I don't know what was available for Taylor Hall. I will admit, when Taylor Hall was traded, and I was on the air with Reed, and we were talking about it, when I first heard the trade, my first thought was, okay, we got Larson and. And then when there was nothing else, I was surprised. I knew not, I didn't know a whole lot about Larson. He played in the other division, played in New Jersey, a team that nobody turns on the TV for. It, it's, so I was, I was surprised by that. The Jordan Eberle trade, I, I thought we would get more for Jordan Eberle. Yep. Yep. Um, Same thing. I don't have necessarily a thing. Him moving Eberle, maybe his time here was done. I know he had a bad playoff. But you got to get more than pennies on the dollar for these guys. And now what you were just saying before he phoned in, we haven't gotten near enough scoring in the wings. Nope, and not even did, close. But nope. he bled it all. Well, yeah, you're right. And that it's something that we talked about right from the beginning of the season. Reed and I, on this show, we said the one thing that scares us this year is depth scoring on the wing. Not even depth scoring, any scoring on the wing. We thought that was the number one need that this team had. And, and as the season's gone on, we've seen that because Drysaddle has had to play with Connor McDavid because the players that they expected to step up weren't able to do it. All right, we got a break for the 4.30 news. You can get us at 780-496-0063. The Oilers end their six-game losing streak, a 4-2 win in Colorado. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 630 Thanks for tuning in this afternoon. The Oilers finally win 4-2 over Colorado. Three in the third. McDavid gets a hat trick. Strom ends a 21-game goalless drought. Dreisaitl two assists as we look at the advantage trailer rentals out-of-town scoreboard. Late second period, New Jersey is up 2-1 on Carolina. In the first period, only 13 minutes into the game, already 3-1 
for Pittsburgh over Columbus. Three goals on five shots for the Penguins. Riley Sheehan has two. He's up to eight on the season. Earlier, the Flyers knocked off the Rangers 7-4 at the Olympics. Canada 4, Jim Pack, South Korea team, nothing. Uh, I didn't. I haven't seen any of the games. I heard that the, the Korean team played better. It was a, a step up for them. It would be nice if they could somehow upset the Finns and face Canada incredible. again. I don't know if that's uh, there much of a chance, but Canada plays next against the winner of Finland and South Korea. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Rob on the line. Hey, Rob. Hi guys, how are you today? Good. Do you think Shirelli will have his job after this season's over? I don't know. I, I think it's possible he doesn't, but there's, I mean, you're just asking me to guess and predict. Yeah, and I, it, uh, three weeks ago, I would have said both guys were coming back for sure. I, I think that the way the season ends will will tell which way it'll go. Um, I, if the Oilers were to fall behind Arizona or down close to Arizona, then yeah, someone will have to pay a price. But again, I agree. I, I have no idea right now. No idea. What do they have for cap space? Is it like eight and a half million or something? Uh, yeah, it's around there. You know, they traded Eberle because of their thing of cap. Well, they didn't even use that money. They no, I know. Yep, you're right. You know, and and then he he also said he traded Eberle in case there was a predatory offer sheet for Drysital, which is fine. But then you gave Drysital eight and a half million dollars instead of seven or seven and a half. So, right. Yeah, I hear you, buddy. Yeah, Talbot had a better game. I don't know if he's our goalie of the future, but here's hoping. Well, he's the goalie for now. He's the goalie for this year and, and next year, yeah. I would think. If, mm-hmm. if, if he has a bad year next year, they may be scrambling to, to find somebody for sure. But he, he had a really good weekend, I thought. Thanks. Great show, guys. All right. Thanks, Rob. 780-496-0063. Face-off trivia was won by Trevor. No, shared with Trevor and me. $50 gift card to Buffet Royale Carvery. Brought, I, I, rolled my, my, I rolled my eyes so severely you could I, actually hear it on the I radio. guessed before Trevor It was Trevor an audible did. eye roll. I guessed before. No, it was a, it was a non-audible eye roll because nobody heard it. It was I guessed before Trevor did, and I got it right. So Trevor and I are going to Buffet, Buffet Royale together. I'll just have to find out what day we're meeting. The gift card, courtesy Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Three Quebec Nordiques draft picks in a row. First overall, 89-91. to 91. It was Lindro, Sundin, and Nolan. I'm not sure if I got it in the right order, though. Not sure what order uh, those I, three yeah, were. I believe the order was Sundin, Nolan, and Lindros. Because oh, Lindros go. was 91, right? Because he played on the Canada Cup team in 91 before he played in the NHL. True. He was he. We actually talked about him in Regina quite a bit. He was a great player when he was healthy. Matthew on the line. Hello, Matthew. Hi, guys. Go ahead, buddy. Uh, I was just gonna. Uh, what you guys think about Toronto and Winnipeg? Do you think uh, they're gonna be like Winnipeg's season is almost identical to Edmonton's last year's? Wondering what you guys think about that. Uh, I think Winnipeg has a very good team. I think that uh, Kevin Shoveldayoff will make a move or two before the deadline or on the deadline to improve. Uh, I think they are built for playoff hockey. They're big. They're strong. They're, they're, they got a very good defense. Their goaltender, who was slated to be their backup, has had a, an incredible season, so I think they're good. And Toronto, I think Toronto's fun to watch. They got a ton of skill, ton of fun to watch. And their goaltender, Freddie Anderson, uh, they're talking Vezina. 
type of season. So uh, I, I right now at Toronto, they, they could be either playing Boston or Tampa in the first round. I don't know if they're going to have success against either one of those teams, but I think it's going to be a fun season series either way. Far and away the two best Canadian teams. Oh, yeah. you got four that are out of it. Calgary's on the bubble. We'll see if we see if they get in. It's 4-38. Edmonton wins 4-2 over Colorado. Let's go back to Denver. Here's defenseman Darnell Nurse. In this fashion, the fashion put a stamp on it at the end. What's it mean to the team? Yeah, it's big. Uh, found a way to, to get a win here tonight against uh, a real tough team that uh, presents a lot of challenges and, and found a way to close out. So, um, real good, uh, real good game for us. A lot of guys stepped up and uh, you know we just got to you know, continue to play. So. What was the mood like on the bench when you allow the first one early? And I know that it's been a kind of a repetitive thing for you guys. Was the mood down, or how did you guys combat against that? No, I think we've been in the, <laughs> been in that situation enough lately to, to know just keep playing, and um, that's what we did. We just kept playing, and uh, you know, we were resilient, found a way to win this game, and uh, it's a real good feeling. There were some swings in this one. You guys peppered them with shots in the first, and then came out in the second, and they came at you. What was maybe the difference between the periods there? Uh, you know, it's, uh, it comes down to a lot of things. I think they were, uh, you know, sustaining a lot of zone time, uh, same way we were in the first period. And, um, you know, it's just how, how games go. There's ebbs and flows. And um, as long as uh, you bend, you don't break when, when uh, you know, the other team is uh, pepping you a little bit, um, you get the right result, and that's what we did tonight. That is Darnell Nurse. The Oilers win the game 4-2 over Colorado. Jason and Dennis up next on the phones. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. The Edmonton Oilers win 4-2 over the Colorado Avalanche. Connor McDavid gets his third hat trick of the season, fourth of his career. Ryan Strom gets the game-winning goal to end a 21-game goalless drought. The Oilers rally in the third. They were down 2-1 after two, taking advantage of a depleted Colorado defense because of injuries. They played most of the third period with just four defensemen. The six-game losing streak is over for Edmonton. 780-496-0063. We have Jason on the line. Hey, Jason. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good. Yeah, my question is, um, for the rest of the season here, do you think, the, I believe the Oilers should be shrinking their bench now. Going with the first line, I mean, David, Dreisaitl, Maroon, their second line, at least with Nugent when he comes back, but not Kara, Sepeshev, and Tuli uh, Arby. But the third and fourth line, the rest of those players, I think they should be sitting and they should be rotated with more, with less ice time. Right now, uh, uh, Strom, Lucic, and uh, Camilleri, they've been up and down all our lines all season with no chemistry. I think the Oilers really got to look at the chemistry now where they want to make a playoff attempt and shorten that bench. They got to shorten that bench. Well, two things on that. I, there, there's not a playoff attempt. I mean, there's 17 points out of a playoff spot with 25 games to go in the season. They'd have to have all the teams absolutely collapse, and they'd have they could go 22 and two and not make the playoffs. As for shortening the bench, I think it's the opposite. You're going to play everyone right now, and you're going to see, as I said earlier, who's part of the problem, who's part of the solution. Uh, you've got to decide what you want going forward. So having those players sit and not get ice time. Well, what do they have the rest of the year? You got to find out if these yep. are players you want to keep, and if you if you're going to try to make moves in the off season, there might be players you're trying to showcase. 
So no, you, you're doing the opposite. You're making sure everyone gets an equal opportunity going forward to see what you want going into next season. And, and I still think McClellan's going to coach every game. To win. Like it is yep. a playoff game or an important Absolutely game. Absolutely he did is. that today. I mean, Latestu, Cassian, and Pugliarvi didn't play much in the third period. He he went to uh, the Drysdale and McDavid on, on the same line. So, I mean, he'll play the players yep. that Shirelli gives him, but once he's in game, he'll he'll coach how he wants that game. Well, and that's the way you should do it. You, you play play to win. That's the only thing you do. When you step on the ice, you play to win. Unfortunately for the others, it hasn't been successful this year doing that. All right, we got Dennis on line two. Hey, Dennis. Hey, thanks very much for taking my call. Yep. Hey, I just a uh, couple comments. I agree just uh, with you guys that are saying everybody has to play. Uh, to showcase, make sure that they want to uh, stay on the team for the next year. It's always a great day in Alberta when the Oilers win. So, But uh want to make a comment about, uh, uh, rumor has it, uh, Jack Johnson wants out of uh, Columbus. Is there uh, any way that the Oilers, uh, uh, other than a couple obvious choices, wouldn't trade anybody to get a hold of that mean little bugger? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that... The, the, this season, or in the offseason, the Oilers are going to be looking at any possible way to start to improve themselves and do their best to do it. Um, there's a lot of players, I'm sure, that would make the Edmonton Oilers better. I, I think Johnson's a good quality defenseman, but you got to think what you're giving up to get him. Because I don't well, know. He's if, a UFA, so oh, I wouldn't well, trade for him. No, okay, yeah, that'd be bad. That'd be dumb. So he's UFA, but I mean, you're going to have to get rid of contracts on your back end if you're getting him. Because the Oilers have got a lot of money tied up in their back end right now already. And he's not going to come cheap. He's so. making four point three five thirty one UFA. He could get moved at the deadline, so we'll see. But I mean, Columbus is—they were fourth overall last season. They're they're on a good run. I mean, they're where, where are they now? I got to double check the standings here. But uh, they're out of the playoffs, aren't they? Yeah, by a point. Yeah, it, the East is tight. There's a lot of teams. Well, it's the same as the West. It's tight. I mean. The, the others need to improve, but uh, again, the others have got a lot of money tied up and a lot of hockey players, and a lot of those players, they can't move. Well, like we've talked about, the, the current D could be the current D for the next three years, Yep. depending on what happens with Benning, or, I mean, they're obviously going to keep Nurse. Yep. And they got guys that Sekera's are on... There's no move. Larson and Clefbaum have long contracts, not with no moves, but they have not... Uh, well, you're contracts. not getting rid of Larson. You just traded Taylor Hall for him, so you're not getting rid of Larson. Russell, I believe, has a no move. Yeah. Sacker has a no move. Yeah. Nurse, you're not moving. So Clefbaum's the only possibility that you would move on your back end. And then you got to decide. you got to get something back. And are back you going to trade him when his value's low? No. When he's been had a tough season, has three goals. So, yeah. Good point. Oilers win 4-2 over the Avalanche. We'll sneak in a couple more phone calls when we get back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Back to the point. Larson had it poked away. Colorado maybe a two-on-one. Soderbergh in across the line. He shoots and a save made by Talbot again coming up with the goods. Talbot, 24 saves today. That's his save of the game for Arcan Trailer and RV Center, Alberta's favorite award-winning RV dealership for over 40 years. Talbot, very good this weekend. 55 saves on 58 shots. Didn't get any offense yesterday. Oilers lost 1-0, but today the Oilers win 4-2 over Colorado. Okay, we're a little tight against the clock here. We want to get everybody in, so we'll try to give everybody about uh, 40 to 45 seconds. We'll start with Matt. Matt, go ahead. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. 
Hey, quick question for you. I, I know, listening to your last caller, we got a lot of money tied up on our back end. And you hear all the rumors and stuff with a guy like Oliver Ekman Larson or bringing, you know, I look at a guy like Tyson Berry. What would it cost us to bring in a guy like that? I know Platform has had a rough year, but I mean, to me, the benefit to bringing him in and getting rid of a guy like Platform would benefit the team a little bit. I don't know what his cap is. Uh, Barry is at 5.5 for the rest of this year and then two years after this. So he makes the same as Sekera. Yeah. And uh, second question real quick for you guys. Do you guys see Ryan Newton-Hopkins back? Yes, I do. I, I, I would bring him back. I would still have him on the team. I think he'll be here too. Okay. Yeah, what about you, Matt? Yeah, you know, I'm just looking at the team, and I know, you know, we're, we're weak on wingers, and, you know, we got arguably the best player in the National Hockey League, and if you look at the standings, there's no way where we, you know, we should be where we're at. And I, I think actually losing a guy like Hendricks is really – uh, hit the team card too. You know, it's almost like that—the heart of last year's season left. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Good questions for sure. Uh, without Nugent Hopkins, the Oilers now four seven and one. We have John on the line. John, you got your forty seconds. Go ahead. John. Okay. Well, I guess Jody will get sixty-five seconds then. Go ahead, Jody. Hey. Um. Question is. All right, trade deadline next week, so I'm assuming the rumors are maroon, Camilleri, and the test who are gone. What do the Oilers have on their farm team? And I know people have laughed about this, but you might get a one player for maroon, but uh, who's going to fill in those other spots? Like, are you going to run with, and even maybe Slepeshev might be gone. Well, they'll uh, Packer. I, I think Packer Inan would play more. He was a healthy scratch today. They could probably call up Brad Malone. Ratty, maybe. Or, or even Ratty, if they needed somebody for the rest of the season, they'd probably do something like that. All right. And do you guys think they're going to hold on to Slepeshev, or do you think with Todd's um, lack of developing Russians and uh, PC telling him, you know, he's available, I would hate to see him give up on him. Uh, honestly, I don't know. I don't know what you would get for him anyways. I mean, it, you probably, what, a, a middle to late round draft pick, yeah. maybe? I mean, you're not getting much for Slepeshev. I know they put his name out there earlier. And there was not a lot I, of interest. I'd like to see what he could do the rest of the year. Yeah, I'd, I mean, he seems to have one good game, yeah. and the next game you don't notice him. Okay. Yeah, because Camilleri and um, Latestu are probably not going to get any any warm bodies. No. Nope, you're getting a draft pick. You might get a prospect or a younger player for Maroon. And Maroon's appealing because he doesn't make a lot of money for the rest of the year, That's too. True. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Jody. All right, thanks. Oh, sorry, Jody. Uh, trade deadlines next Monday. We'll have some extended coverage uh, around uh, Oilers now that afternoon, and then obviously in just inside sports in the evening. It's on the 26th. Well, Rob, the Oilers finally win. <laughs> Took a couple of weeks, but they knock off the Colorado Avalanche 4-2. Next game is Tuesday. That'll be interesting. Boston doing great. Well, not last night in Vancouver, but generally doing great. They got, and what, the sad thing and the scary thing is Boston's playing so well, they they blow that one in Vancouver. Now they're going to come in a little angry when they play against Calgary and Edmonton. Should be a good game. Should be fun. They are one of the elite of the National Hockey League. 5.30 face-off show game at 7 on Tuesday night. Thanks to Patrick Bauer, your studio producer this afternoon. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Get more on 630Ched.com. Your final a McDavid hat trick, a Strom game winner, Oilers 4, Avalanche 2. Have a great family day.